Hey, we're in a series that we're calling Just Show Up. And last week, Ariel did a teaching on Reframe. She did a phenomenal job, didn't she? And if you missed it, I'm telling you, go to our YouTube channel. And she did a great job talking about how when we go through tough times, God doesn't want us to wallow in it. He doesn't want us just to see the negative. He wants us to reframe it and to see the good. And so today what we're going to do is we continue our series. I want to sort of piggyback on, on that idea and go back to something I did on week one where we want instant results. We want instant success. If we make a resolution on January 1st, we want it to be true in our lives by January 3rd or 4th at the latest, right? We just want quick results. And the reality is that life doesn't work the way the left picture shows, it works the way the second picture shows, and it's that red area that is the area that we call just show up. It's when life is crazy, it's when life doesn't, you know, you, you know, if you're going up or down, it's when everything seems to be chaotic, that's when you need to keep showing up. That's when you need to keep saying, you know, like Ariel showed us last Sunday, I know I don't see all of the good that God's doing. I know there's so much negative that I can look at, but what I'm going to choose to instead is to reframe my thinking, God's in this someplace, I just don't see it yet. And that's what it means to keep showing up. And so what I want to do today is I want to delve deeper into that idea. When I kicked the series off, I used this as a list of people in the Bible that we can learn from. And I want to just pick some of these people and let's look at what it looks like for them to keep showing up and what we can learn from them. Let me go back to this real quick. We want things to happen suddenly, don't we? Woo, God, my finances are a mess. Please take all, all my debt away. Amen. Boom, it's gone. Woo! Praise God, right? Doesn't happen like that, does it? Or, God, I need to lose 20 pounds. Amen. Boof, it's gone suddenly. Woo! More Doritos for me. Right? That's what we want. It doesn't happen like that. Success doesn't happen. You know what, what it takes? Persistence persistence. There are great suddenly stories in the Bible where God does the miraculous, but you know what they're all preceded with? A lot of persistence. It's just showing up, people. Just showing up. That's what I want us to look at today. What does it mean for us to just keep showing up? What's that persistence look like in our lives? Let's take a look at, at several of these examples. First one I want you to think about is Moses. Listen, we're going to go through a lot of stuff all of this is on our digital notes page. If you don't know where that is, just stop at the Welcome Center. They'll show you how to find it on your phone, and you can have a copy of it. But Moses, perhaps best known for his you know, time before Pharaoh, freeing Israel, the 10 plagues, parting the Red Sea, all these other great miracles. What happened before that, though? Well, his life was saved miraculously at birth. He becomes part of this, you know, the king's family. In Egypt, he's given the best education. He has the best of everything. He sees these two guys fighting. The anger gets the best of them, and he ends up killing one of the guys. He tries to hide his body. People know about what happened, and Moses gets scared, and he runs. So now he's no longer in Egypt. He doesn't have everything. He seemingly has lost everything, and he's just running, and he's just running. And for 40 years... He's taking care of sheep in the desert. Talk about non 
sexy, non-glamorous ways to make a living. You have it all in Egypt, and now you're in the desert for 40 years with a bunch of stinking animals, and nobody knows you're even alive. Do you ever feel like you're in obscurity? Like you have so much more to give and do, but where you are right now, you can't make that impact? And you wonder, does anybody even know I'm here? And that's when God shows up in a burning bush, Exodus 3.1. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law. These sheep aren't even his. And he's just showing up. He cares for sheep for 40 years. He's no longer in Egypt. And at last arrow, you know, bull, I'm sorry, for 40 years, Moses just showed up and allowed God to humble him. Why is that important? And I put the verse from 1 Peter 5. Dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. Hey, Beth, do you realize we're in an election year this year? God values humility. Our leaders should have humility. The Bible says, dress yourself in humility. See, the world doesn't value humility. Politics doesn't value humility. God values humility. He really, really values humility. So he says, hey, hey, Bethel, yo, Bethel, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. Humble yourselves. Humility needs to be what people we disagree with see. For God opposes the who? Who? The proud. You think your life is tough? Try being proud and God's going to oppose you at every step. That's tough. You think you're not getting much done now? Try going through life in a proud way and God's going to keep opposing you and stopping you at every turn. That's tough. But God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God loves humility. And sometimes God allows us to be in a place that we think is the wrong place, the worst place for us. And the primary reason for it is simply to humble us. To humble us. Why? Because God's people... God's servants, the people, the men and women that God's going to use to lead, to do big things for him, have to be humble. What do we learn from Moses? God doesn't define me by my worst mistake. God doesn't give up on me when others do. God never forgets about me. He uses my time in obscurity to build character, to build humility. The worst things I do don't negate God's plan for me. And then I put Jesus' words in Luke 16, be faithful in a little no matter how little it is. You may feel like you're in a place that nobody sees, nobody notices, and you just can't wait to get out of there like Moses with the sheep. What's it look like to show up? Be faithful with a little. Whatever little God's given you, be faithful.
So you're showing God, I can be faithful with more. That's what Moses teaches us. Joseph, perhaps best known in the Bible for rising to prominence in Egypt. He's the second in command in Egypt. He saves them in a known world back then from a terrible famine. And again, his story is, is a fascinating one. He's one of the younger sons in his family. His family is large. It's, they're rich. They're very prominent. And his, his brothers hated him. His brothers hated him so much that they sold him into slavery. And after they sold him, they went home and they told dad, oh yeah, dad, sorry, but you know, we were out in the, out in the desert and a wild animal came by and ate Joseph. So like there's nothing left of him barely. So sorry, he's dead. Let's just move on. I mean, that's, that's terrible. You may think your family is dysfunctional. That, that, this family may take the cake, right? But that's Joseph. So Joseph, 17 years old, he's sold into slavery. He is taken to Egypt where he has to learn a different language and a different culture. Now listen, at that point, if I was Joseph, I would be shaking my fist at God saying, what are you doing? What did I do to deserve this? Joseph as a slave serves in you know, a prestigious home in Egypt for about eight years until he's falsely accused. Then he's thrown in prison. See, at what point do you just say to God, God, what are you doing? You want me to keep showing up? What are you, nuts? When is anything going to happen good for me? Joseph never gave up. He was persistent. And eventually he ends up as the number two guy in Egypt. Now, Later in, in Joseph's story, his brothers are before him and they're terrified because Joseph can just give an order and they're dead. He's the number two guy in Egypt. And Joseph turns to his brothers and said, you meant to hurt me, but God turned your evil into good. How different would our lives be if we didn't just say those words as followers of Jesus Christ, but we really believed them? What kept Joseph showing up? What kept Joseph being persistent through all the nonsense that he went through? He kept saying to himself, it doesn't matter what someone does to me. God's in control and he's going to make something happen for me. It's his plan, not these weirdos who are trying to destroy my life. And he didn't just say it or have a plaque on his wall that said it. He believed it in his heart. So that when he has the ability to take full vengeance on his brothers, he says, you meant to hurt me. God meant it for good. And that was it. See, though, so many people abandoned Joseph. In faith, he chose to believe that God was still good and God was still in control. You may feel like you're in a place where it's just totally upside down and people have done things or said things or taken advantage of you and, and you're just like, this, this can't be happening to me. Joseph believed that God was still good and he would still ultimately do something good from everything going on. So what do we learn from Joseph? Do not mistake in God's silence for abandonment. And let me just park here for a second. Some of, you, some of us are in bad places. 
And we've been begging God to change it. We've been begging God to move us. We've been begging God to take this person away or take the situation away. We're just, and God is silent. He's just silent. We don't get a yes. We don't get a no. It's just silence. Joseph got that silence from God for years and years and years and years. Here's what I've learned over life. That when you are in a tough place and you're crying out for God and God is silent, you know what it is more often than not? He's preparing you. It's preparation time. We give up and walk away and say, oh, this God thing doesn't work. It's nonsense. God's like, no, 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 no. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Watch what I'm going to do. So when you're in that place and you think God is silent, no, he's not. He's preparing you. This is preparation time. God's not intimidated by anyone or anything. And then I put that, you know what? I want to, I want to do something from Ariel last week. Last week she had us read. You see that line? If it's not good yet, God's not done yet. How about we read that together? If it's not good yet, God's not done yet. Believe it. That's not just some, woo, think positive slogan. That's biblical. Romans 8, 28. God works all things for good. So if you don't see good yet, that's because God's not finished working yet. Joseph believed that. What about King David? King David slaughters Goliath. King David does a lot of good for the nation of Israel. And he ends his life in a very non-glamorous way. As king, he's supposed to be leading his army into battle. And instead of doing that, he sends his army off to battle. He stays home and he uses his power and his position to commit adultery. He tries to cover up his sin, realizes he can't from the husband. So he kills the husband. And for about a year, he thinks he gets away with it. God confronts him with his sin, and God says, as a result of this, the newborn son that you had from that affair, his life, God takes his life. God brings all sorts of havoc into David's family, all sorts of havoc into the nation of Israel. And you're like, whoo, you know, how did he keep showing up after that? You know what he did? He owned his sin. He owned it. The story of David is a fascinating one. God sends a, a prophet, Nathan. And he tells, he tells the king, God knows what you did. And David doesn't make an excuse. David confesses. And that top bullet is, are some words of David from Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is a beautiful psalm that David wrote as his confession to God. And David says to God, you don't desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You don't want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart of God. You know what David teaches us about just showing up? That when God confronts us about our sin, we need to own it. Stop making excuses. Stop hiding. See, it doesn't matter how long I've been hiding that sin. It doesn't matter how big or small that sin was. It doesn't matter how long ago that sin was. For some of us in this room or watching online, what, what just showing up right now to God means, 
that we need to confess our sin to God, we need to go to someone and confess and say, listen, uh, I'm sorry. That's showing up. That's what David teaches us. See, it doesn't remove consequences, but it changes the way God writes my story. And, and this, this is a fascinating thing, thing about God. So did God bring back the son whose life he took as a consequence? Nope, the son still died. Did God restore David's family from the way he broke it? it he just tore it apart, ripped it apart. Nope, he didn't restore the family. Did God remove the judgment from Israel because the king sinned? Nope, he didn't remove the judgment. But after King David's dead, and now we're in the book of Acts, and someone's given a commentary about the Old Testament, watch what God says about King David. I found David, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Who? What's David? The one who committed adultery and murder and lied? Do you see how cool God is? He doesn't remember the sin. He remembers how good you were. I want God to remember me that way. I don't want God to remember the worst of me. I want God to rewrite my story so that my legacy is, you know what, Rob was far from perfect, but man, did you see the heart he had for God? That's what we want. That's what David teaches us. We live in perfect lives. We've all messed up. Let God rewrite your legacy to your family, to your friends, like he did with King David. That's what showing up meant to King David. That's what we learned from him. What about Elijah? Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament. Prophet were spokespeople for God. Often they would do these miraculous things to show people God's power. And, you know, Elijah's story, the pinnacle of his, his story, maybe this time he has fire come down from heaven and consume the sacrifice. I mean, it's just, it's an amazing story. But here's the thing. Even though he experienced amazing victories for God, when he came crashing down, he crashed hard. He crashed hard. There's a, there's a description of this time in his life where it just describes this depression. I don't know how, the Bible doesn't use the word depression, but he cannot care for himself. All he can do is sleep. He can't even feed himself. And he wishes he was dead. That was Elijah. And when Elijah was in this state, God personally shows up and nurses him back. God didn't write Elijah off because of his mental illness. God didn't write him off because he came crashing so low. God showed up to nurse him back to health. Look at the verse in yellow. Then the angel of the Lord came again. In the Old Testament, when you see the phrase angel of the Lord, it's not just talking about an angel. Most likely what it's doing is it's pointing to Jesus, and it's Jesus showing up in the Old Testament. So here you have God who sees a prophet who's having this mental breakdown. He doesn't just send an angel to care for him. No, no, no. He sends his son to care for him. What is, he, what, what is that saying about God's care for our frailty, our brokenness? God's not ashamed of our brokenness. 
The angel of the Lord came again and touched Elijah and said, get up and eat some more for the journey ahead of you will be too much for you. Jesus is nursing him back to health. Listen, do you know what Elijah teaches us about just showing up? When you crash and burn, when your life is falling apart because of your health, your mental health, whatever, emotional, don't hide it. Don't pretend it isn't part of your story. Don't spiritualize it and say, woo, it's gone. Listen, if God wants to deliver you, God bless you. There are lots of us that God will not deliver us just like the Apostle Paul. Why? Because he uses that frailty to keep us close to him. And when that's the case in your story, own it. Embrace it. And realize that Jesus is the one who's showing up to nurse you when you're at your lowest, when you're at your frailest. And then how does Elijah's life end? Suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Ooh, talk about a grand exit. One of two people in the Bible who, who did not die. God thought so much of Elijah, in spite of his frailties, he sent a chariot from heaven and escorted him to heaven. I want to go out that way. After another Super Bowl win, though, Fred Eagles. So I'm, just, I'm just I'm letting God know that. So, All right, last, last one I want you to think about is Gideon. Gideon's pinnacle, the top of his story, might be the amazing military victories that he had. You know, he was delivering, God was using him to deliver Israel. And his story is a fascinating one because when we're introduced to Gideon, Gideon is thrashing wheat, but he's underground. And I put the picture, many places in the world, they still thrash wheat this way, where they, once you, once you harvest the wheat, you got the good stuff, the bad stuff. And so what they do is they just, you do it out in the open and you have this fork type thing that you just sort of throw everything up in the air and the good stuff, the wheat falls to the ground. The light stuff that you see is the chaff that flies away. So this is how you process your wheat. We're introduced to Gideon and he's underground thrashing wheat because he's scared, he's fearful of the enemy. So he's underground doing something he should be doing above ground and God refers to him as mighty hero in Judges 6. I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. Is fear a good thing? Nope. Bible says God's not the one who gives me fear. But you know what? Despite his fear, Gideon kept showing up. Was he scared to thrash wheat so that his family and others had food? Yep. But you know what? He found a way to do it. What do we learn from Gideon? It's okay to be fearful. Just don't let fear control you. Does God give you fear? Nope. He doesn't give you fear. Do all of us experience fear? Yep. Should we be ashamed of it? Nope. It's part of being human. But fear is not an excuse not to show up. And so Gideon, in spite of his fear, showed up, and he's underground, thrashing wheat. And that's when the angel shows up and says to him, hey, mighty warrior. See, when I show up despite my fear, God sees my courage, not my fear. And I want you to hear that, Bethel. 
because a lot of us struggle with anxiety today. There's so much anxiety, there's so much fear in people. When you show up despite your fear, and you say, I'm going to do what God's asking me to do. I may have to tweak it. I may have to adjust it in some way. God doesn't see your fear. He sees your obedience. Just like he did with Gideon. Look at that verse at, at the bottom of the screen. Gideon crossed the Jordan River with his 300 men. And though exhausted, they continued to chase the enemy. The same enemy Gideon was hiding from underground earlier, Gideon is now leading and they're chasing the enemy down. Why? Because Gideon showed up despite his fear. You see what happens when you just show up? God is so awesome, he does the rest. So what's it look like for me to show up? When I feel insignificant, I'm no longer making an impact Choose to be faithful, obedient, be still, be humble, like Moses. When others mistreat me, lie about me, I choose to keep my eyes on Jesus and realize he's still working for my good, like Joseph. When I sin, I don't hide it. Instead, I own it and repent from the heart sincerely. So God rewrites my story, like, like David. When my weaknesses overtake me, I slow down. I'm real. I humble myself and allow God to care for me like Elijah. And when my fear is strong and loud, in humility, I find a way to do the simple, ordinary things I need to do like Gideon. Just show up, Bethel. We can do this. I don't know exactly what it looks like in your life, but when we just keep showing up, we're setting a stage for God to do what we could never do on our own. Now, will you stand with me, please? We're going to pray. Father, thank you so much for a chance to learn from all of these people. Give us that persistence that we looked at today in each of these characters, Lord. Give us the ability to keep our eyes on you, Lord. Help us to keep showing up despite the challenges, Lord, please. And as we do, you will do what only you can do. We'll give you all the glory for it. We pray in your son's precious name. We agree with this parent said, amen. Thank you.